once again we approach the Word of God. Thank you for what you did the last hour, Father, in healing school. And today we just ask you to build on that foundation and build on the revelation of Jesus Christ this morning. So we ask you, Lord, we humbly ask you to open the eyes of our understanding, open our eyes, open our ears, that we may hear and see things from heaven today that will set us free and change the course of this week. I thank you that this is going to be a tremendous week, a good week, a blessed week. In Jesus' name we declare it, amen. Praise God, praise God. Man, I still feel the anointing from last service, I'll tell you. We're just getting right on the wings of that thing, praise God. We have, we have been talking for the last several weeks, actually this is part five, and I think we might end it here today. Uh, we've been talking about, since the start of the year, since the first of the year, and the Lord impressed on my heart to teach a series called From the Inside Out or Living from the Inside Out. And some practical things that we begin to talk about how that as believers in Jesus Christ, God wants us to be governed from the inside where He lives, not from the outside in. Praise God. In other words, God's headquarters, when you were born again, we've covered this. I want to say it again. When you got born again and Jesus Christ came into your heart, into your life, he set up his headquarters. I was thinking about that just two days ago, and, and the Lord impressed to my heart because I've, I've, I've been saying this, and he just keeps adding to it, you know. And uh, he says, yeah, when I moved in, I brought all my stuff with me too. Amen. <laughs> Amen. Amen. Praise God. Turnkey. You know what that means? When you buy a place and it's turnkey, it means it's got all the furniture, everything. You just turn the key and you walk in and it's all there. He says, son, when, when you were born again, it was a turnkey entrance. And I came in, I brought everything with me. Everything, when Jesus moved into you, he moved everything on, I mean everything. He packed everything and brought it with him and moved on the inside of you. Hallelujah. And that's the, God, that's the story of the gospel of Jesus Christ is to understand what belongs to us. That, that boy, we didn't just get our sins forgiven. Boy, we got, a, we got the whole package deal. Glory to God. It doesn't get any better than that. So uh, we're going to continue this today about how to live from the inside out. Now I wrote down here, and I'll say it exactly like I felt impressed to say it here this morning. That today the greatest need, would you all agree with me that the greatest need for a sinner is what? Jesus. He's the author of salvation, right? The greatest need... For a sinner is Jesus. The greatest need for the believer is, guess what? To have your minds renewed with the Word of God. Because you already got Jesus, right? The greatest need for the sinner is to be born again. Because apart from that, they're not going to heaven. But the greatest need for the believer, once a person gets born again is to have their minds renewed with the Word of God. In other words, to start to think differently. The third thing I want to say this is the greatest enemy of the believer, believe it or not, isn't the devil. The greatest enemy of the believer, you and I, is not Satan or demons or evil spirits. The greatest enemy 
to us as believers is the unrenewed mind. Because when Jesus purchased your salvation, he defeated Satan and all of his cohorts, completely defeated them. Colossians chapter 2, I'll just refer to it. Verse 15 says, Having spoiled principalities and powers, Jesus made a show of them openly, triumphing over them in it. You want to jack that heat up a little bit there, bro? That's what you like about this room. It's either up, down, up, or down, like a roller coaster. It can be too hot, too cold. <laughs> but we don't want anybody, any icicles hanging off people's hair in here, okay, as we get started here. The greatest enemy of the believer isn't the devil or demons or evil spirits. It's the unrenewed mind. So, And I, and I made reference to that Colossians 2.15. Jesus spoiled principalities. No, he didn't. This isn't something he's going to do. He did it. When Jesus went to the cross, that was only part of his sufferings. He went to hell for three days and three nights and paid the price. And he went there so that you and I wouldn't have to. Okay? Jesus died spiritually. Now some people, it's amazing, bless their hearts. When they, when they hear that, they think that's blasphemy. How could Jesus die spiritually? Listen, if he didn't die spiritually, now he's... He paid the price, right? He's the righteous son of God at the right hand of God the Father. But he had to pay the price that you and I have paid. And it was more than just physical. He had to go to hell. He had to go there for you and for I. And the Bible's clear about the fact that Jesus went to hell. Now we don't know everything, the details of what happened down there. We just know that he paid the price. Now we do see what happened on the cross. That's visible. We can see that. But you know, it's really... The, I heard it said like this, that the, epist or the uh, 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 Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, it's put it like this. Those are a picture of the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus. It's a picture. But the, the epistles, the letters to the church, are an x-ray of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Because when you get into the epistles, Paul's letters to the church, you begin to find out what happened during those three days and three nights. You, you begin to find out what happened as an x-ray, you know. Now, I mean, how many of you have ever given a picture to somebody of yourself? You give somebody a picture? Would you ever think about giving someone an x-ray of yourself? <laughs> Say, what? Who is that? That's me. It, it, it could have fooled me. <laughs> so the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, are a picture of the death, burial, resurrection of Jesus Christ. Thank God for that. But the epistles, the letters written to the church, Corinthians 1, Corinthians 2, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, all those Pauline epistles, that tells us what happened during the three days and three nights that Jesus was in the heart of the earth. And Colossians 2.15 is, is an x-ray. Jesus spoiled principalities, powers, made a show of them openly, triumphing over them in it. Don't you know the devil thought he had him? Yeah. He said, we finally got the Son of God. The demons are having a party in hell. Yeah. Okay? We finally got him. Yeah. But after three days and three nights, the Holy Ghost, the power of God, shot into that hell and raised him from the dead. 
And Jesus became, the Bible says, the firstborn among many brethren. Well, if there's a firstborn, there's a secondborn, there's a thirdborn, and somewhere our number is in there. Amen? Amen. Amen. Jesus be he became born again in hell after he paid the price. Amen. <laughs> Amen? Amen? Firstborn from the dead. Now, he's not the first person who was raised from the dead. He was the firstborn from the dead. Amen? Because we know that there are other people in there. Even in the Old Testament, they were raised from the dead. But you see, you have to understand, back in, back in Jesus' times, before Jesus went to the cross, what happened to the folks that died? Did they go to heaven? No. Nobody could go to heaven until Jesus was raised from the dead. You said, well, Pastor Keith, then where did they go? They went to a place called Abraham's bosom or paradise. It was a compartment in the heart of the earth. Now that no longer exists. You can read about this in Luke chapter 16. About the rich man and Lazarus, remember that? And, and when Jesus went to hell, he emptied that place. That's why he said in Ephesians, he led captivity captive. He led them out, okay? After his resurrection, Jesus led forth those that were in captive. Now, that was the non-torment torment side of hell. There was bliss there, for sure, okay? But it wasn't like heaven. So all from Abraham all, all the way up, you know, they, were, they went to that place in, called Abraham's bosom. But now, when a person... Uh, dies, there's only two places you can go. Okay? Now, don't say purgatory because that, there's no such thing. <laughs> Maybe you grew up in a church that taught about purgatory. You know what I'm saying? Like a holding place. You know what I'm saying? A neutral place. That is not true. It's not scriptural. It's, there's no such thing. When a person is not saved, and when a person doesn't know Jesus Christ, when they leave this earth, there's only one place that they're going to go, and that's hell. Okay? Now, the Bible even says that hell was not created for man. It was created for the devil and his angels. So why do people go there? They go there because of a willful choice to reject Jesus Christ, to reject the Savior. Okay? But here's the good news. When a person accepts Christ and they say, I believe in him, I believe he's the Son of God, when that person checks out and they leave this earth, they go immediately to be with God, with Jesus in heaven. Amen? I've known of people that have been there and come back. Okay? And I'm telling you what, you don't want to miss heaven. It's one of the most, it's the most, the most, it's not one, it's the most glorious place ever. Now eventually heaven's going to come to earth. Okay? But people now, for people, the Christians that check out, that, that physically die, they go to be, the Bible says, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Instantly. Boom. In heaven. Glory to God. Now, like I said, the greatest need for a sinner is someone to have Jesus. The greatest need for a believer is to have their minds renewed with the word of God. But the greatest enemy of the believer is not the devil. I have to get that through. The greatest enemy, your greatest enemy is not Satan and demons. But your greatest enemy, as a believer, is an unrenewed mind. Now, what do you mean by that, Pastor? What do you mean an unrenewed mind? Okay, an unrenewed mind is a person that's a Christian, 
but doesn't get into the Word of God, doesn't put the Word of God in their mind, in their thinking, so they're going to still think like they used to think. Which is what, was it Zig Ziglar called stinking thinking? <laughs> and we were all in that position, right? Hallelujah. So, in Romans chapter 12, as we conclude this series here today, I want you to look at verse 1 and 2. It says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren. Now, do you call sinners brethren? Okay. So we know he's writing to Christians here. Romans is written to the church, you and I, people that are, that are born again, that know Jesus, right? He says there, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. There's two key words here in verses 1 and 2. In verse 1, it says, present your bodies. In verse 2, it says, renew your minds. Okay? Notice what isn't said. There's nothing said about your spirit. Okay? He leaves out the spirit because the spirit is born again. So the one third of you, one third of you was totally changed at the new birth. What part of that was? The, your spirit. But your mind is still the same. Your body's still the same. You know, if, if you had blonde hair, brown hair, before you got saved, you're still going to have the same color hair after you get saved. If you're bald-headed, you're still going to be bald-headed after you get... Brother Hagin used to say that, you know. <laughs> after you get saved. Now that can change, of course, you know. Praise the Lord. But he, he says right here that the, uh, the thing that we have to deal with after we're born again right here is we have to present our bodies and we have to renew our minds uh, so that we can know what improve what is the good, acceptable, and the perfect will of God. Now here's something interesting. Has anybody ever heard the word metamorphosis before? Let's go back to science class years ago. What, what were some of the creatures that, were, that had metamorphosis? Butterflies, right? Starts out like a little ugly looking creature, a little worm like creature, you know. But all of a sudden there's a metamorphosis and you come back the next day and say, what happened to that little caterpillar, that little cocoon? All of a sudden there's beautiful butterflies flying around. We call that metamorphosis, Okay. Now, what's interesting, what's interesting here is that the, uh, the word transform, be transformed, is the word, it's the Greek word, because the New Testament was written in Greek, and it was, it's the word metamorphosu, metamorphosu, transform, and that's where we get our English word metamorphosis, transformed. And so, basically, what's happening here. Is a, is a caterpillar is changed from the inside out, not from the outside in. Now it's hard to describe, but it happens. But I don't know. But I've seen that happen. I know, in uh, for example, in different places here in Pittsburgh, they have uh, those. I know for sure in Epcot at Disney, they have uh, in the springtime. They have every time they have this little. I don't know if you've ever seen that before. They have a like a screened-in area there for butterflies. Anybody ever see that before? It's pretty cool, and they got all these different butterflies in there. But before that, they're just a little, what do they call them? Uh, 
there's another word I'm looking for. It's not cocoon. It's uh, pretty ugly looking. These little, no, no, it's just a little shell. On the, I don't know. You'll figure it out. You know what I'm talking about. There's, there's another word for it, but uh, it'll come back. But anyway, after, after a certain amount of time, those butterflies start to come out of that thing, you know, and all of a sudden they're flying around and they're beautiful, different color wings, you know. That's a metamorphosis, okay? And it's just like you and I, before we're born again, we're like this little cocoon type thing, you know, this creature. Not, nothing real pretty about it, you know what I mean? But all of a sudden there's a transformation. We get born again. We get metamorphosized. And all of a sudden we become a creature that can now fly. Glory to God. A beautiful creature. And that's what he's saying here, that, that when we... We renew our minds um, to the Word of God that there'll be a metamorphosis, there'll be a transformation that will take place. Now, uh, we all know ourselves better than we know other people. We know, I know myself better than I know because I've been with myself all these years. It's no revelation, right? And so uh, I think back in some degree, I think back about years and years ago the way I used to think. And now I, I can hardly believe I used to think like that. I thought, whoa, I can't believe I used to have that kind of mindset and I used to think that way. But through the years, you know, and I've, I've been in thousands, I mean, yay, thousands of church services. I'm talking about Holy Ghost-filled church services, not just our services, but other people's services through the years. And I mean, and I've listened to thousands of CDs and cassette tapes back before there were CDs and hearing the word, hearing the word, hearing the word. And, 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 it, and it's had an effect upon me for the good and not for the bad. Because it started to renew my mind to start to think differently about myself, about who God is. And after all, the only way that we know God the Father, God the Son, and the Holy Ghost, the only way we know anything about them is what the Bible says about them. You take the Bible out of a person's life, you know, and they have no word they're, they're clueless. That's what Jesus said, the blind lead the blind. They both fall into a ditch. Without the Word of God, there's no light. And so the Word of God is our light. It's a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. And the Word of God, the entrance of His Word gives light. And when we get into His Word, it shows us who we are, what we have, what belongs to us, and what we have the potential of doing. Hallelujah. There was a first time in my life where I heard the gospel in the area of salvation. And I received it. There was another time where I heard the gospel of being baptized with the Holy Ghost. And I eventually received it. Not right away, because I didn't know how. Then there was a third occasion where I, I heard the gospel, good news, about Jesus Christ bore my sicknesses and diseases. And I, was thought, I thought, that's the first time I ever heard that. I didn't know he did that. But he actually did that for me. His great love, because his great love for me. He took my sins, but he also took... He took my sicknesses and diseases. Like I said, when Jesus moved in, he brought everything with him. He didn't just show up, just him. He came, he brought everything with him when he moved into you. I mean, the healing, deliverance, everything that you need is already on the inside of you in the person of Jesus Christ. Amen. Now, we're not self-sufficient. I want to make, make a, a mental note of that. We're God-sufficient. Our sufficiency, the Bible says, is not of ourselves but it's of God who has made us able ministers of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Our sufficiency is from the Lord. Hallelujah. Everything you need is in the person of Jesus Christ. So the greatest need for a believer 
in conclusion today is to, is to have their minds renewed with the Word of God. Now, why is that so important? Because all of us, from birth, we come into this world. That's a given. We all come into this world. And we all have different experiences. Everyone in this room has a different experience. If you go back to the womb of your mother, coming out, fast forward all those years, you've had, every one of us in this room have had some good experiences. We've had some bad experiences. We've had some wrong teaching. We've had thoughts, mindsets, experiences that all contribute to the way that we think. Are you with me? Some people go through abusive situations, which contributes to the way mental abuse, physical abuse, sexual abuse, and it contributes to the way that they think. Okay? I think about Joyce Meyer, talk about her, but I love Joyce Meyer, love her ministry. And and, without going into great detail, you know, she is, that woman has been through hell on earth with her family and sexual abuse with her dad. Terrible. But yet, she didn't, the thing I like about her, she didn't. Let that be a, an excuse to why she couldn't progress in life. Just a, a basic housewife, you know, that was abused, you know, had a chip on her, a couple of chips on her shoulder, you know. But she decided to allow God to transform her. And now you see her standing up there in front of millions of people on nas- international television. She has the largest TV ministry of any preacher in the world. In the world. The largest television ministry. So I don't get it why people say, I don't care for that lady. Listen, man, if, if that woman has, she is something else. She just got a hold of Jesus. She got a hold of the Word of God and it transformed her thinking. She talks a lot about the mind. A lot about the mind because after, when you go through stuff like traumatic situations, you know, and see, here's where a lot of people get stuck in their past. Now, all of us have a past. We do. We all have a past. And to a certain degree, we didn't have any power. Uh, We couldn't help, in other words, the type of family we came out of, maybe the area that we lived in, the people that we knew, right? We had, there was, especially when you're younger, you know, you just kind of bloom where you're planted, so to speak, where your parents, they made certain choices and what have you, you know. But all of those things, they contribute to the certain way of thinking, right? Okay? And, uh, and so as years accumulate, things like this, then what happens is, is it starts to formulate a certain way of thinking, a mindset, a negative mindset. This, this world is very, very negative. It is. And uh, I don't know about you, but I've been around people that are professional complainers. I used to work, I used to work with some. I mean, dear God, man. They're complaining about everything, you know. And it's, sometimes if we're not careful, that same mindset can creep into our thinking. All of a sudden we start to bellyache and complain, you know, like, rah, 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 rah. you know, we start to, right? Because we don't realize sometimes that the people that we're around can influence us. Now that can be either negative or positive. Now, when you hang out with God, and you hang out with his word, guess what's going to happen? It's going to start to change the way you think. It's going to start to change the way you think about yourself. Amen? See, most of us don't come out of the womb of our mother with a positive self-image. 
Most of us don't. Most of us, I was not raised in a Christian home. Now, my parents were religious. That's about as far as it went. Okay? But living godly lives, are you kidding me? We did not, I, my wife was not raised that way. I was not, we were raised in mainline religion, but there was no life, there was no power in that. I was, I was born again at 16 years old. And that's when I transformed. My parents literally thought, now they don't now, but they thought that we joined a cult that we lost our minds. My own father almost got in a fist fight with me, literally. Because I, I, got, I was helping my mother one day wash the dishes. You know, we had chores, you know, back in the day. And, uh, and I don't know, maybe I didn't say it the right way, but I told my mom that if you don't get saved, you're going to go to hell. Okay? I'm drying the dishes. Yeah, you know, if you don't get saved, you know, you're going to... You're going to burn, baby. No, I didn't say it like that. But, but I, I, I must have said it in a way that she goes, you mean to tell me that what we taught you was wrong growing up? I said, yeah. And by that time, my dad came running up the steps. He was at his workbench downstairs. He worked with his hands. You know, he came running up the steps. And I mean to tell you, I left the house crying. It was, it was a mess. It was an absolute mess. Man, I didn't understand this thing about persecution. When I was first born again, I had no clue. You know, people start talking about you. My parents flipped out on me. Same thing happened to my wife and her family. It's a little different scenario. But I began to learn some things. I did, I'm glad I didn't back down to the persecution. Okay? Because the Bible says affliction and persecution arise for the word's sake. But I, I, I don't know. I just didn't, I didn't get offended by it. I thought, well, they just need what I have. <laughs> I didn't start saying, well, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I made the wrong choice, you know. Listen, I, I knew I was blind, but now I see. I knew when I was a teenager and I got saved, nobody could talk me out of it. I was so different on the inside. I felt changed. Yeah. I felt energized. I felt like it was like the light bulb turned on. It was like, wow, life is beautiful. <laughs> That's the way I felt. My parents didn't see that. Now, we, we just began to pray for them exercise prayer and I began to learn about our authority in Christ and what, ha what we have is going to a church to thank God that was teaching me about who I am in Christ, the authority that we have. Mm -hmm. So I was constantly sharing the gospel with whoever, whoever was open. I'm telling you, I, man, I, picked up, I picked up hitchhikers in West Virginia. It's probably not a wise thing to do, you know. Ended up leading them to Jesus right in, the, in my truck when I was driving a truck, you know, and I mean, there were some dangerous situations I was in, but I had no fear whatsoever. No fear at all. Just walked right through it, you know what I mean? But one of my friends, I got saved, and I was privileged to lead him to the Lord in, in, in junior high school. And he received Christ, and we started walking together with the Lord. You know, we began having prayer meetings. Nobody wanted, nobody told us to. We just wanted every Friday night. We'd go out and witness on the streets of Pittsburgh, downtown Liberty Avenue, lead prostitutes, pimps to the Lord, people down and outer street people. We would go down there. This is in like 1978, 79, right around there. And I mean, we saw results. People were getting saved because God did something on the inside of us. So we began to pray for my parents and his family. He had a larger family. And, the, and one by one, they all came in. They all came in. Because we tried to share, and they didn't want to hear it. Do you ever know sometimes you try to share with your own family, they don't want to hear it? There's a wall that goes up. 
Not always. But sometimes it's just, who are you to tell me? You know what I'm saying? Because it takes some humility to realize, you know, maybe I'm wrong and you're right, you know, so people don't want to do that. So the Lord knows that. So he knows who to send across the love, your loved one's path. He knows who they'll listen to. Right? He knows who they'll respond to. And so, uh, anyway, I really got off on the path here. But I began to saturate myself in the Word of God, just mainly going to church. I was, you know, you couldn't keep me out of church. I never understood why people didn't want to go to church. I'm like, are you, now the right church, I'm saying. Okay, I'm not talking about some dead religious church. I'm talking about a live Amen? Praise God. How many of you know flies don't land on a hot stove? You say, brother, what does that mean? Man, if you're on fire for God, those demons aren't going to land on you. They can't land on you, man. <laughs> Praise God. Demon Be- Beelzebub, Lord of the flies, Jesus said. That's what the demons are like. Okay? So I, I began to go to church, and I'm telling you, I was there. They had sun- Back then they had Sunday morning. Then they had or midweek service was actually Monday night. Then they would have a Saturday night prayer meeting. So basically three services a week. That's where I met my wife. And so, uh, man, I, I couldn't wait for Sunday to come. I could not wait. Now, back in those days, this is in 1980, they had the pastor of the church. It was just a small church, 50 people, something like that. And the pastor had a, a tape lending library. They were all his tapes. He had books and tapes that he got from Bible school. Okay, and so he just made it like a lending library. He didn't charge anything for it. There was a library, and there was lots of, I mean, good series, cassette tapes back there. And so you could, whoever was first, you would sign out a particular book or a tape series, something like that. And, uh, and I mean, uh, I, I couldn't wait. In fact, I think I went through every single book that he had, every single tape that he had. I was so hungry. And so what I would do is I would take that tape home, those tape series. This is back before CDs. And I would take that, those t- cassette tapes home on Sunday after church, eat my lunch, go up into my bedroom, and then spend four hours up in my bedroom going through those tapes. If it was nice weather, I'd carry my boom box outside, sit out there, put the tape in, play it for all the neighbors to hear. <laughs> Amen? Now, I... I I didn't, nobody told me to do that. I just had a desire to do it. But here's what began to happen. And I'm talking about the renewing of the mind is because um, I had, of course, I had friends and Christian friends that were, that didn't seem to have the same interest, didn't seem to have the same hunger for God that I did. I thought, am I the only one that's like this? But I just, I was thirsty. I was hungry. Now, my wife was the exact same way. First time I ever, I came to her house and visited her house, you know, she took me into her dining room. She goes, wait a second, I got to get something. She went upstairs, pulled out a cassette tape and brought it down and says, we're going to listen to this tape. It was Tom Pickens. Remember that? From one of the classes at Bible school. She goes, we sat down and we listened to a tape. How's that for a date? And I was like, I like this. I like this. Amen. And so, uh, 
So through the years after hearing word messages and messages, anointed messages, my mind began to change. Now it's getting cold in here again. I mean, my mind began to change. My mind began to get renewed. And I began to think differently. Amen? Now, in 1979, I graduated from high school in 1979. My grandfather on my mother's side, her dad, uh, was st struck with uh, colon cancer. Okay? My grandfather, my mother's father. And, uh, and I, like I said, I was in high school. This, he passed away in 1979, so it's been a few years. And so my mother and her sister, you know, my aunt, you know, they had a real concern for him and so forth. So we would go over the house almost every weekend to try to take care of him and minister to him. And it was just, it was pitiful to watch his body, when he was, a, I remember him so normal and healthy looking, you know. And, uh, and all of a sudden, it just started eating away at him, eating away at him, okay. And uh, before you know it, he's down to about 95 pounds. Looked like a bag, of, looked like a uh, skeleton with just skin draped over it. And so I watched this, okay, and I'm, I'm sharing this to say this. I watched this happen. I was there. Didn't like being there. It was kind of nasty to be there. I was just a young kid, teenager at the time. And then the day came where he, he left his body. He died. Okay? Well, while I was there, while my parent, while my mother and her sister were taking care of him and so forth and administering whatever they could to help him, um, I had this thought come to my mind. Now, this is before I was in a good church. I was saved, but I, my mind was not renewed with the Word of God. I think sometimes these little side journeys help us more than anything else. But as a young person, as a teenager, I saw this happen and I watched it progressively get worse each and every week. When all of a sudden I had this thought come to my mind. Now, I never talked to a soul about it until years later. I had this thought come to my mind. Now, I didn't know where the thought came from, but I had a thought come to me. The same thing is going to happen to you someday. So all of a sudden I was introduced to a fear that I never had before. And so it was kind of dormant back in my, my thinking. I never talked, to a, never talked to a person about it. Then I thought, well, that's my grandfather, you know. And, but the, I didn't know, there was, I didn't know that about the spirit realm and demons and how they can speak lies to you. I knew nothing about that whatsoever. I just had a thought come to me that that's going to happen to you someday. And that's the way you're going to leave this earth someday. And I was, now that's not a good thought. How many of you agree with that? That's not a good thought. That's an evil thought. It's a negative thought, and it's a fearful thought, needless to say. Okay? Now, when I was in the situation, the situation presented itself to me, and then the devil took advantage of it through ignorance and started putting seeds in my mind that that was going to happen to me. Okay, we're talking about the renewed mind or the unrenewed mind. Fast forward about three years later, I'm in a full gospel tongue-talking, word-preaching church, okay? The pastor who was wa walking in the anointing of God teaching these things began to talk about thoughts and imaginations and strongholds and things like that, you know, and, and, uh, um, and how the, the enemy is the one that brings those thoughts, you know. So I, I started hearing for a couple of weeks, I heard this teaching on this, and uh, boy, I tell you what, I was like, this is the best news I've ever heard, you know? 
I couldn't sit there and look bored for one second. I'm like, wow. So that's what I began to put two and two together, realize, okay, so as I, the Lord was kind of showing me some things that what, what was going on in my life is the enemy was putting fearful thoughts in my mind, which I didn't know were coming from him. But when the minister of the gospel, pre, my pastor started to open up the word of God preaching about where these thoughts come from, these negative thoughts in your mind, your unrenewed mind. We need to pull down those strongholds, those thoughts, so they don't take root in us. Well, a neat thing happened. The light of God's word shined on me, and I realized after a few weeks, maybe a month or two, they realized that now I know where that thought came from. And the light exposed the darkness. How many of you know light, the word of God is light? Not physical light, it's spiritual light. The entrance of his word giveth light. The most dangerous churches to the devil's kingdom are churches that preach the light of the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ. Because when, the, when you preach the word and not fables, not reader's digest, I'm talking about the word. I came out of a church, Methodist church, all they read from was the reader's digest. Give me a break. No one ever got healed on Reader's Digest. No one ever got saved on Reader's Digest. The pastor eventually got out of the ministry, thank God, because he wasn't even saved. You know, I remember that. And um, anyway, so my mind is starting to be renewed with, okay, I, ha I had an evil thought that came to me. Okay, oh, now I know where that thought came from. I exposed the enemy. Hmm, I exposed them. Now he's afraid. I'm not afraid. And that fear left me. I was like, wait a minute. That thought that came from me about me dying of that same thing, where did that thought come from? It came from the enemy. Now back then I didn't know it. But the word taught, when the word was being taught, light came. Light came. Amen? See, if the devil can keep people out of the light, out of the word, he's already got them. Okay? Are you with me now? But if you stay under the light, under the word, you are dangerous to the kingdom of darkness. And that's where we need to be. And he is afraid of you. It's not we're afraid of him. And all of a sudden that fear left me. I'm like, bless God, I'm going to live long on this earth. I'm going to live strong on this earth. I'm going to live out my days. I'm going to preach the gospel. <laughs> I'm going to enjoy life. I'm not afraid anymore. Amen? Like that song we sang this morning. I'm not afraid. I'm not afraid. Say, I'm not afraid. Amen. We don't have to be afraid. Uh, Romans chapter 8. Go there real quick here. Romans chapter 8. And we'll wrap this up here. And just, I just want to refer to Romans 12. Again, Jesus, or Paul the Apostle said this, that we're to present our bodies. And number two, we are to renew our minds okay now the unrenewed mind is there's another phrase for it it's called the carnal man or the natural man remember Paul said in Corinthians he says the natural man receiveth not the things of the spirit of God because they're foolishness unto him right the natural man well we all came out of the natural but in Romans chapter 8, verse 5, it says, For they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh. 
They that are after the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. Verse 6 says, For to be carnally minded is what? All right, to be carnally minded thinking is death. Ooh, that's not good. But to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Let's put it like this. Everybody heard the word mindset? Mindset. You know what a mind, certain mindset, right? So if we think like the world, if we think like the world, that is called being carnally minded. Carnally minded. But to be spiritually minded or biblically minded is life and peace. So the way that we think, as a man thinketh, and Proverbs says, as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. One day I was going along, you know, this is some time ago, and I, I was feeling kind of upset, irritated, agitated, you know. And uh, I don't know, I know if you've ever been there before, but I felt sort of irritated, agitated about some things. Couple of different things. I don't even remember what it was. And right in the middle of that chaos, right in the middle of that mess, the Holy Ghost spoke up inside my my spirit, or you hear him just inside, not with your audible these audible ears here, but inside. And the Lord said, Everybody, the way that you current he said, the way that you currently feel is a result of what you've been thinking upon. Hmm. Never thought about that. He said, the way that, see, the Lord knows everything you're going through. You don't have to tell him. He already knows what you're going through. He knows how you feel. He knows how you think. There's no surprises. (laughs) And he says, it's impossible to be depressed when you're thinking on the right stuff. Wow. Amen. Amen. He says the way that you currently feel as a re- is a result, a direct result of what you've been thinking upon. Well, that's just the problem, Pastor Keith. I can't control my thought life. Oh, yes, you can. You can control your thought life. Okay, I want to give you an example of this right now, how you can control Your mouth has dominion over your mind. Your mouth. Everybody, when I say go, I want you to count from one to ten. Not out loud, but within your mind. Did you ever do that before you count? I want to show you something. Ready, set, go. Now stop and tell me your first name. Some of you participate. Now, what happened to the counting? It stopped. Why? Because what you said took dominion over what you were thinking on. You see what what I'm saying? So words have authority. Words have dominion over bad thoughts. Oh, anybody ever have a bad thought or two before? You're just going along. All of a sudden you're like, oh, man, you know? You can change the way you feel by changing the way that you think. As a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. 
See, I used to think that I had no control over my thought life. But that's a lie. I do have control over my thought life. Hallelujah. To be carnally, verse 7 says, because the carnal mind, that's Romans 8, 7 says, well, look at verse 6. It says, for to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. How many of you want that? I do. Because the carnal mind is an enmity or enemy against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, neither can indeed be. So then they that are in the flesh cannot please God. Now, it doesn't say that God won't love you. He does love you. But it, when our minds are carnal, we're thinking natural all the time. We think in natural all the time, all the time. Natural, natural, natural. The flesh, 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 natural. Uh, it says that the carnal mind is an enemy of God. Now, how many of you here have a computer? You have access to a computer. I mean, we live in the day and age, you know. But there's a thing called software that you load on. These are programs that you use. I I know that I'm speaking to a bunch of intelligent people here. You have your hard drive, okay, and you get your computer. There's basically nothing on it yet. So you take some different programs, software, and you load it onto that computer. Then it becomes integrated into the hard drive, all right? And so, so, so now you're able to operate because you've already downloaded certain things of software. Like, like my phone, for example. I mean, these phones are just amazing what's on them. I got... Man, I can do my banking on here, my calendars on here, my banking. Uh, 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 what else do we have here? My music, my teaching, the uh, Amazon, the weather, uh, Twitter, Facebook, mm-hmm. <laughs> all these different things. But you know what? These are called apps. But you know what? I had to download them before I could use them. Okay? But did you ever notice, especially with these phones like this, you know, that every so often you have to update certain apps. You have to update them. And if you don't update them, they can get corrupted where the point you try to use them, they won't even work anymore. I've, I've met people who say, I don't want to update, I want to just keep what I had. Well, the problem was technology's already passed you up, and it's going to get to the point where if you don't update that app or renew that app, what you used to use, you can't use it anymore. And so there's constant, I check every day, there's updates almost daily with the different apps that I have on my phone. I have to update them almost certain ones every single day. I got the Strong's Concordance Bible programs on there, and they need updated. You just scroll down and it shows which ones need updated, okay? Now, that's exactly like our minds. Our minds need to be upgraded, updated, renewed. Okay, But sometimes we try to hold on too much to the past. We try to hold on to the way we used to think. But the best thing we can do is to start to put God's word in our thinking, in our minds. Praise God. I like to do it. I like to spend time with God first thing in the morning. That's just, just like the, that's what I like to do. Come down, get a nice protein drink or something, go down into my prayer closet and spend some time with Jesus, spend some time with the word get the word in my, in my heart early in the morning so that when I go out there during the day, I've already prepared my spirit. I've already built my inner man up so I'm ready for anything that comes out there. I'm ready to minister to someone if I need to. Because I'm a pastor, not just on Sundays, but 24-7. <laughs> it's part of me. It's just part of me. I don't push a button and say, I'm not a pastor. I put the hat on today. 
Because the way you see me now is the way I am out there. Okay? The way I live here is the way I live out there. It's not like two separate lifestyles. That's where people get confused about, you know, hypocrites and stuff like that. Wait a minute. It's, we live this stuff. We live this way. Amen. And so the renewed mind is so important because it's, it's keeping the software of our minds renewed with what God thinks. And so when I, that illustration I used with my grandfather, you know, my mind was unrenewed at that point. So when the devil put that thought in my mind, which I didn't know was him in the first place, it produced fear. I'll submit this to you. Everything the devil tells you is connected to fear. Everything. Every thought, every imagination, every choice. Listen to me. Every choice and every decision that's rooted in fear is demonically inspired. Now, I've seen people through the years, for example, based on, based on uh, the calendar... Based on their biological clock, uh, have made choices when it came to choosing their mate. Now, I'm not thinking about anybody here. You understand what I'm saying here? I'm talking about from the past. And because of fear, because of pressure, fear, people, men made choices, women made choices that I'm, I'm not getting younger, I'm getting older. And so Sam came along, and he's been kind of nice to me. Yeah, he's got some weird things about his life, you know, but we can deal with that. But I'm not getting any younger. And Sam proposed to me. So I said yes to Sam. Little did I realize what I was getting when I got Sam. Okay? Do you understand what I'm saying? And so people, now we've all been there and done in different ways. We've made choices based on our clocks, based on the calendar, based on pressure. Satan comes with pressure. And so we make choices. Folks, I would personally, I would rather be single than to be with the wrong person. That's me talking. Amen? Because... Pastor, you don't understand what it's like to be alone. Folks, when you're born again, you're never alone. You're never alone. You're never by yourself. You're never just you. You've got God. You've got God. Well, I didn't know that, Pastor Keith. Okay. Do you you understand my heart where I'm coming from with this? Okay. Listen, I know people make mistakes. God redeems the time. I I don't ever want to come across as like... If you made a wrong choice that God can't redeem that, He can. I've seen God change things and move things around, reshift, re, you know what I mean, realign things in people's lives. I'm not saying that God can't do it. He will do that for people. He's merciful, right? But I'm talking about, you know, from this moment forward, moving on, because sometimes pressure will have you to do things and make choices and make decisions. Like, if you don't do that, you're going to lose out, man. You're going to really be alone then. But listen, if we let fear govern us, we'll always make the wrong choice. But if we let faith in God and love for God make our decisions, we will always make the right choice. We will. We'll always make the right choice. 
someone says, what, what you compromise to keep, you'll end up losing anyway. I'm not up for sale. <laughs> Amen? I'm, I'm not going to compromise. Let's close with this scripture right here. This is it. In 3 John chapter 2, there's only one chapter. But in 3 John, right before Revelation, 3 John. So what's the carnal mind? The carnal mind is an enemy of God. It's contrary to the way God thinks. And the thing is, we don't have to have a carnal mind. We can think in line with the scriptures. To be spiritually minded, folks, is simple. It's having the word of God in your mind. Amen? I love when I talk to believers here in this church and, and scripture just automatically comes rolling up out of them. You know what I mean? It's just because the word of God is a part of your, your way of thinking. And whatever you think on is going to come out of your mouth, right? 3 John 2, we know the scripture. In verse 2 it says, Beloved, I wish or I pray above all things that you would prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers. Even as your soul prospers. They tell us, I just did some research about habits. Now, we know that there's bad habits, but we also know that there's good habits. Okay? How many of you are interested in some good habits? And medical science came out here. This is not, you know, this is not out of the Bible or anything like this, but here's what they've discovered in their studies. They said, on an average, it takes more than two months before a new behavior becomes automatic. 66 days to be exact. For something to become a new habit takes about two months two months to start a new habit, a good habit, like a, let's say a, a good diet, a good exercise program. Those are physical things, right? And they're good things, praise the Lord. But sometimes it just takes a little time, it takes a little persistence, it takes a little bit of effort. Yeah, I know when, like all of you, when you, st when you started to exercise, man, the pain. You know, they call it lactic acid. I thought, that's from hell. <laughs> you know what I'm saying and um, but you know what I got one body God gave me one body I want to keep this body in shape not just to look good but to be fit for the kingdom of God Amen. to finish my course to run my race you understand what I mean but boy I'll tell you what some, you know, especially as you get a little bit older you know you start to realize man that, I used to do that without even thinking about it. now there's a lot of pain involved here you know <laughs> But you know, here's the thing. Eventually, you work through that pain. Amen. You do. But when you first start, oh man, you get tired. Especially if you want to take a nap three times a day. You know, you get tired. But you actually, you can actually get to the point. I know, you can get to the point where you actually enjoy it. It's like, bring it on. I feel good when I do it. You know what I'm saying? But at first, you're like, oh, the pain, the pain, the pain, you know? But when you see the benefits of what's going to come as a result of a healthy lifestyle and exercise. I'm talking just moderation. You know what I'm saying? Taking care of yourself, right? The benefits that come as a result of that are enormous. Enormous. Well, the Bible says that bodily exercise profiteth, profiteth little. That's just for this lifetime only, okay? It's not making light of it. 
You can't say that and say, well, that doesn't mean we're not supposed to exercise. It says it profits for this lifetime, but spiritually, it says bodily exercise profiteth little for this lifetime, but godliness for eternity. There's spiritual exercise, there's physical exercise. And those, those things can become habits. Okay? Now, there's a scripture in the, uh, the New Testament, in the book of Acts, that the actual, the believers addicted themselves to the word of God and to the ministry of the saints. Did you ever read that scripture before? In the book of Acts. Now, when we hear the word addiction, we instantly, instinctively, we think of negative. So-and-so is an addict. You, right away, you think, okay, alcohol, drugs, or both. Right? We think addiction. Right? But listen, there are good addictions. There's good addictions. Not all addiction is bad. Now, one thing I know about addicts is whatever, whatever, whatever is they're addicted to, man, they just got to have it. Start getting a feeling in their body. I just got to have this. I just got to have this. So I feel better. You know what I'm saying? Well, let's flip that thing around and say it like this. I am addicted to the Word of God. I have got to have my fix. Amen. <laughs> Amen. It's not like you roll your sleeve up and you... And you stick it in there. You know what I'm saying? It's just you open up your eyes, you open up your ears, and you open up the Word of God. I've got the Bible on this on my iPad. Okay? And then you take that Word and you put it in you. I just got, I have to have my Jesus fix every day. That's the way I feel. Man, I know when I haven't been with Jesus. I get cranky. I get moody. Like all of us do. Ask my wife, she'll tell you. <laughs> she knows me better than anybody. Hallelujah. But oh, I tell you, I have to have my Jesus fixed every day. I have to have some time in prayer. I'm not talking hours. I'm talking some little chunk of time just to give to Him. I need some scripture. I need the, sermon. I need the Word of God. I need some prayer time. And then your spirit feels satisfied. Are you with me? Does this mean anything this morning? It... it, it, it it satisfies your soul because your soul deep down wants that. You're, and you can train, you can get to the point where at first it may be a discipline. Like when you first exercise, it's hard. It's, you don't feel like doing it. Your body's hurting, you know. But when you work through the pain and you work through that, then like the saying, there's no, no pain, no gain, right? Now spiritually speaking, you might get tired. You might get, man, I'm working through this thing, you know. When you push through that, you're going to see some powerful benefits that are going to come out of putting the word. Your mind is going to be renewed. You're going to start thinking. All of a sudden, what was a duty before will become a joy to do now. I don't see. I don't have to pray now. I get to pray. <laughs> That's the way I feel about it. Oh, well, we get to pray. Oh my goodness, let's pray. Many years ago, when we pastored our first church, you know. I never, I never could figure it out. We'd have these potluck dinners and everybody would show up. They'd drag people out of the closet and bring it. Because we're feeding people's bodies, right? I'd say, we're going to have a prayer meeting Friday night and three people would show up. Is there anything wrong with a potluck dinner? No, no. 
It's just people have trained themselves to feed the flesh, to nourish the flesh, but leave out the spirit. But you can actually get, through reason of use, you can get to the point where reading the word is not, no, it's no longer a chore. It's like, and I'm just talking a, a chapter a day even, you know. But it can become that, man, I'm looking forward to that time. That's my time. I'm going to get into the word. I'm going to read my chapter for today. I'm going to take 15 minutes or whatever it is. I'm going to pray. And you're connecting with God. What was initially a discipline, all of a sudden becomes something you really look forward to. Does, does that make sense? Because now your spirit is developed enough. It's developed to the point where now you're becoming more spiritually minded. It's not like, you know, see, I don't, I don't have to come to church. I get to come to church. My high, the highlight of my week is showing up here. Do you know that? I don't know half the stuff I'm going to be saying. It just comes out. <laughs> I, have, I have notes and stuff. I prepare. You know what I'm saying? But half the stuff, I'm like, I need to go back and hear that myself. Because the Lord's here. And he wants to reveal himself. He wants to show himself strong. Amen. Don't be discouraged about your walk with God. Don't, don't, let, don't allow any discouragement whatsoever. You, you, you've gone through some stuff. You've been through some stuff. We all have. And it's been a, some of it's been a long haul in some way, in some ways, you know. But allow that pressure and allow that stuff that you've gone through to put you closer to God than further away from Him. He's always been there. Jesus never left you. The Lord never left you for one second. He's always, always been there for you. Even when you felt like he wasn't there, he was right there. He's so faithful. He doesn't check out and say, ah, have it on your own, see what you can do now. He is there for you. Amen. And I, I talk about God to myself. God, you are faithful. Even when I feel like it's, it's not been faithful. Lord, you are faithful. You are trustworthy. I can look to you. I can lean on you. I can trust you. Praise God, it's better to trust in the Lord than to put confidence in man, the scripture says, right? Put your confidence in God. <laughs> put your confidence back in God today. We can, we can all do Let's just do that right now. Say, Lord, I put my trust and all my confidence back in you. A hundred percent in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Just by saying that, did something. Lord, I transfer my trust. I trust you. 